Father, we ask that you would give us your grace now uh, as we consider your word together. We pray, Father, that we would see your grace in all its glory. We pray that you would captivate us afresh with your grace and your goodness. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So previously in the story of Jonah, uh, we watched how the word of the Lord came to Jonah, uh, telling him to go to Nineveh. Uh, But Jonah said no, and set off in the opposite direction. A storm and a sinking feeling later, uh, and swallowed by a great fish, Jonah was eventually back on dry land, rejoicing in God's grace to him when he was under the sea. And we watched in the last episode how the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, telling him to go to Nineveh for a second time. And this time, he obeyed. He preached his eight-word epilogue, announcing that Nineveh's days were numbered, and that in that most unlikely way, revival had broken out in the city. Everyone, including the king, donned sackcloth as a sign of mourning and repentance for their sin. And they wondered if God would relent from his fierce anger. And at the very end of chapter 3, which we read tonight to help us get the context, uh, we heard about the reprieve that Nineveh received. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. So given all that has happened in the story, how would you feel at the start of chapter four? And remember that Jonah is a prophet, someone sent to proclaim God's word, and he has seen people respond to God's word and trust in God. So how should he feel? Blessed, rejoicing, happy, satisfied after a good day's work. Maybe a combination of all the above. Well, hopefully you're on page 928. Because as you open to that page and look at the start of chapter 4, it's quite a shock to read verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displaced and became angry. Now those two options didn't appear in our possible list of expected reactions to Nineveh's revival. Rather than being delighted, he is displeased. And rather than being amazed, he is angry. So what's going on? Why does Jonah feel this way? And what might God be teaching us through this 
reluctant and now angry prophet. Well, to help us understand why Jonah feels this way, whether it's right or not, there's another question. But to help us understand why Jonah feels this way, let's listen in to his prayer from verse 2 onwards. He says, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. As Jonah prays, he says, I knew what was going to happen. He says that he knew what was going to happen if he came to preach in Nineveh. He knew it when he was still sitting in his comfy armchair back at home. And he knew what would happen. He knew that if he came to preach in Nineveh, then people would be saved and would be turned away from their evil ways. And perhaps surprising to us, that's the reason why he was so quick to go in the opposite direction. Why he was so quick to flee to Tarshish. You see, he didn't want the revival to happen in Nineveh. He didn't want the people of Nineveh to hear God's word and turn to trust in God. And so he went in the opposite direction. He thinks to himself, well, if I'm not in Nineveh, then they can't hear about God. And so he went the other way. Now, I wonder, can you believe that? It's hard to take in, isn't it? Now, how could Jonah be so sure that the people of Nineveh would turn to God if he went there? How could he be so sure of the revival that he didn't want to see happen? Well, it's because he knew God's character. He knew what God is like. Those words in verse 2 are words that we find in various places in the Bible. Uh, We've heard them uh, tonight in Psalm 145. We also find them in Exodus chapter 34, uh, which we mentioned this morning, at the Lord passing by Moses, uh, revealing his glory. And while uh, we're used to using these verses to praise God because of these characteristics... Because of his grace and compassion, we we rejoice in it. It seems that these are seen in a negative light by the prophet Jonah. He knows these things about God. He knows that God is always like this. Always gracious and compassionate. Always slow to anger and abounding in love. And he doesn't like it. He was very glad to receive God's grace and compassion himself when he was sinking under the sea, when he he prayed that prayer to God. But he doesn't want God to be gracious 
to anybody else, particularly not those people, especially not the Ninevites. And so he resisted bringing them the good news of God's grace. He was racist. He was maybe even sectarian as he tried to withhold God's grace from his enemies. And so, having been used by God to bring about revival in Nineveh, having seen God's grace lavished on his enemies, he doesn't want to see anymore. He doesn't want to live anymore. Maybe he can't face going back home to Israel and reporting on his mission trip. Well, what happened? You know, how did you get on? Did you proclaim that God's fire was going to fall from heaven and then it did? Well, no, actually. I did preach that. And then God saved them all. You did what? You saved a bunch of Assyrians, our our biggest threat and our biggest enemy? What were you thinking? But God invades his pity party with a piercing question. Verse 4. Have you any right to be angry? If we have received God's grace, can we really withhold it from anybody else? If we have received God's grace, can we draw lines around it to stop other people from receiving it? Can we put a hard border around God's grace? Can we prevent God from being gracious to whoever he will show his grace to? I wonder, are there people that we would be angry if they received God's grace? Or would we be angry if God, if he was gracious to those people, whoever they may be? It just might be that we're more like Jonah than we are comfortable admitting. And so God's question comes to us as well. Have you any right to be angry? Well, as you can see in the reading, there's no answer to the question. Jonah doesn't reply directly to the question. Instead, Jonah takes up a grandstand view of the wrath that he hopes will still fall on Nineveh. You know the way people position themselves for a fireworks display and maybe hours before it happens, you know, they're there in the best spot and they know that they'll see the fireworks. Well, he's waiting to see the fireworks because he still has this hope that God's fire is going to fall. He sits down outside the city. He waits to see what would happen to the city. 
Now, all the way through the book, we've seen how God has provided or appointed or sent uh, lots of different things. There just so happened to be a boat at at Joppa uh, where Jonah wanted to go uh, just at the right time. God sent a great wind on the sea in chapter 1 as well. He also provided the great fish to swallow Jonah in chapter 1. And now in quick succession in chapter 4, the Lord provides three more things for Jonah. First of all, in uh, where are we? Verse 6. The Lord uh, provided the vine. And it doesn't need any plant food it didn't need miracle grow because it was a miraculous growth all by itself growing up over Jonah's head to give him shade to ease his discomfort it grows up in a day and Jonah is very happy about it but then the next morning God provided something else he provided a worm And the worm was very happy as it chewed on the vine so that the vine withered away. But Jonah was less happy at that point. His shade had gone. And that was emphasized by the final thing that God provided. A scorching east wind on top of the sun blazing down on Jonah's head. He was faint. He wanted to die. For as he says again in verse 8, it would be better for me to die than to live. And God responds with the same question again. Do you see it there in verse 9? Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? To which Jonah is on the warpath. I do. I am angry enough to die. Poor Jonah. Angry about what has happened inside Nineveh and now angry about what is happening outside of Nineveh. Always angry. But the gracious God speaks to him with words of grace and words of challenge. Trying to turn him around so that he will again rejoice in God's grace and see things from God's perspective. God says there, verse 10. You have been concerned about this vine. Though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Juno was all concerned about this plant. He hadn't done anything to plant it or to make it grow. It had only lasted one day. And yet he was concerned about it. He was angry about it. He was concerned about the vine. And yet he wasn't concerned about the flesh and blood people. People made in God's image. People God cared about. In the city of Nineveh. And here's how the Lord finishes the book. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. 
Should I not be concerned about that great city? He's challenging Jonah to see the city the way that God sees it. Over 120,000 people. People who don't know whether they're coming or going. People with no spiritual awareness. Shouldn't God care for them as well? And that's where the book ends. With that question mark. We're left wondering what Jonah's response might be. It's a bit like, do you remember the parable of the prodigal son? And the younger brother has come home, the party is going on, and the older brother is standing outside refusing to come in. And the father appeals to him, come in and join the party. We have to celebrate. Your brother who was lost has been found. Who who was dead is now alive. And the parable ends at that point. And we're not told what happened. The invitation is left hanging for the Pharisees and tax collectors, sorry, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, who were the older brothers, who were complaining about these tax collectors and sinners being received and welcomed by Jesus. It's left hanging for them to answer. And this question mark at the end of Jonah leaves us with the question as well. What about us? Are there people who God is concerned about who we couldn't really care less about? Are there people that God cares about that we would rather they perish than receive God's grace? Is God's grace something wonderful for us? Or is it scandalous to us? Have we got Ninevites that we don't want to be saved by God's grace? Are there borders or limits on God's grace that we are trying to impose? That's the question that God asks Jonah. And is asking us tonight as well. So let's be still for a moment. As we leave that question just sitting there. To be answered by each of us individually. As we consider that question in God's presence before we pray together in a few moments. Let's pray.
Lord God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you have reached for us and saved us. We thank you that everyone who believes in you receives forgiveness of sins. So Lord, help us to see people as you see them and to share your grace with everyone we meet. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.